also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. I'm here in uh, downtown Canada, a.k.a. Toronto, Ontario. And, uh, you know, this is an audio podcast, so you can't see this. But uh, but guests, friends, you guys can see that I have a uh, I've got a shiner. I got a black eye. You, oh, no. You might be wondering. Do you, get it from, you might, do you get it from the beer store? I didn't get it from the beer store. I mean, maybe <laughs> if I had been able to go to the beer store before it closed, I could have prevented all this from happening. Um, but I have this shiner because I woke up yesterday mm-hmm. and I was so excited that the boys are back in town. <laughs> and by boys, I mean Michaels and by town, I mean Canada, <laughs> um, that I just fell on my face and, uh, yeah. you know, so I'm not, I'm not too upset about having the black eye. I'm just happy that our, our two sweet, innocent boys flew from China with a brief overnight stopover in Alaska for quote unquote refueling before landing in um, in uh, in Ottawa and being reunited with their loved ones, uh, it's great. The best thing about it is that uh, this entire saga trashed our Canada's relationship with China, and uh, we got pretty much nothing out of it. And the charges are dropped against Meng Wanzhou. So good job, everybody. Um, yeah, at least we got those Michaels back. Look, what do you mean nothing? We got two Michaels. Yeah, we got two Michaels. We got two Michaels that we we had two less Michaels, and now we have the right amount of Michaels. Yeah. (laughs) Like, look, it may be a Michael imbalance. Look, China claimed some some crucial Michaels, uh, some crucial Michael infrastructure, and we uh, like the. You should look at Canada's birth rate. The the number of Michaels per women is is not good. Dropped off. Right. Yeah. We we are we are losing. We reach peak Michael. And now we have triumph. We are raising a uh, this buds for you, Michael. We're raising a Bud Light to the Michaels. <laughs> Congratulations on your return home from your perfectly legitimate business overseas. Exactly. Uh, um, no, um. So we're all we're all very excited uh, to have our Michaels back. Dan's so excited. He's joined the Black Eye Club along with the Pope, uh, former presidents, uh, everyone with the black eyes getting punched. Um, and Che Craig, the the PPC candidate. Coincidence. Yeah. I think not. Uh, no, we are we are very pleased to be once again joined uh, by Julian Field and uh, Live Posting of QAnon Anonymous. How's it going, guys? It's good. What's Glad up? to be back. Uh, Can't wait about- to learn about what's next for Canada. Yeah. Uh, well, We're talking about our favorite party. Future is yeah. wide you open. Sound communist. Yeah. The future. Yeah. The future is bright, and it's full of Michaels. Uh, <laughs> with our Michaels back, we can do literally anything. That's why the election sucked. <laughs> no Michaels. There weren't wrong amount yeah. of Michaels. <laughs> wrong amount of Michaels. Short for two a good Michaels. Election. Can't drive a car yeah. up a hill if you don't have a full tank of gas. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, we were what some uh, some uh, uh, you might call uh, a couple Michaels short of a polity. Uh, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but no, uh, we are uh, we are actually talking about what I think is uh, important to something that is Im- slightly important to discuss uh, other than the Michaels, obviously, which is that now that we are out of our election cycle uh, and what is election cycle it was, um, we have... La vague pourpre. <laughs> La vague violette. Which one is it in French? <laughs> we have to deal with the 
we have to almost do, I think, think about what the People's Party of Canada was, what it represents, and do a sort of retrospective on them, because they're not going away. And, well, let's just say our, uh, you know, uh, our, our sclerotic media is going to do everything they can to amplify them, as they seem to have done, this, as they seem to have at least partially done this time, right? Um, and so I figure, like, the, uh, given the, that the PPC have been this much like the sort of evolution of the Q movement as it sort of as it sort of has continued on on in um in the sort of post Trump era, uh that the PPC are not going anywhere and that they seem to be animated by a lot of the same fundamental forces. What what what, what do you guys say to that? They're not going yeah. anywhere, their comes not going anywhere, and it's good. <laughs> yeah. You gotta retain <laughs> Both power and cum. Yeah, that's right. You think that guy maybe like took the edge off after he lost? I <laughs> like think he was like he lost because I'm... he fucking busted before the election. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. It proves the theory. You know, um, <laughs> so so the 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 People's Party. Uh, uh, just a brief review, especially for our American and British listeners. Uh, was started by Maxime Bernier, who was a Harper cabinet minister. Uh, whose home riding in Beauce of Quebec was sort of sort of a close call uh, for him to win. He didn't end up winning it. Uh, and their whole thing is basically, I think, the Canadian media has been trying to pin them down, and especially post-media journalists. So we've referred to this article by John Ibbotson about how uh, the, the People's Party of Canada, you may not like them, but you better hope they get represented because when sort of crazy fascists come into contact with institutions, they're tamed by them. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, but it's there are as many sort of facets of the People's Party of Canada, it seems, as there are sort of online right wing crank fringe communities in Vancouver. They're all about so they're, a lot of them are about like you know healing crystals, anti vax yeah. stuff. In Alberta, they're basically American nationalists who love Donald Trump, <laughs> and then in Quebec, there's something else entirely, right? Yeah, and, and, and in the Maritimes, you've got the semen retention guy, so. It's, yeah. it's a big tent yeah. of, um, and, and I think we'll kind of get to this during the episode. It's a big tent of anti-politics. It's a form of mm. like anti-politics. I got to yeah. say, Maritimes is the best branch. Yeah. Best division. You can't compete with semen retention. <laughs> no, you cannot. I, I kind of, I listened, unfortunately, today to, I think, a good part of the Jordan Peterson, Maxime Bernier interview. Oh, wow. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It is incredible because... It's like Maxime Bernier is, I have to say, much dumber even than I thought. Um, and Jordan Peterson just wants to help him build. He's like, oh, so so after he ends like saying something, you know, finishes saying something very stupid, like the more we are in the media, the more people will like the ideas, the more they will vote for us. Then he then Peterson tries to kind of shade it in and make it, you know, like. Well, you know, and even setting him up, he's like, so uh, if if what you're saying doesn't happen, well, what's the consequences? What could happen? You know, like really, really mm. setting him up for everything and giving him, uh, I guess, like this kind of ornamental frame for his really very stupid. I mean, I found out about his past as a supposed economist or whatever <laughs> in his cabinet position, but it's like, it is incredible to hear him speak because he seems like he knows very little about almost anything. Well, that sort of that sort of brings up as well, like what the actual platform of the People's Party of Canada is, right? Because I think a lot of people have been talking about it, sort of in as much as it gets discussed in the states, which is not much, and in as much as it gets discussed by the sort of Toronto-centric media, which is 
wrong. Mm-hmm. They tend to be painted as, well, this is a manifestation of national conservatism, right? This, this political force that emerges when socially right-wing and sort of economically insecure people sort of begin to coalesce around power. It's what Trump did, but he couldn't square the ideological circle. And so Josh Hawley's going to come and be the national conservative or Tucker Carlson, uh, the sign of society envisioned by Tucker Carlson, or, you know, the what sort of we keep saying that Boris Johnson is going to do over here. Like, they sort of talked about as that equivalent. But what I think is sort of quite interesting is that this pundit based fantasy of this coalition of, you know, um, Cranks, weirdos, and no fap guys, mm-hmm. uh, sort of just manifests itself as this as warmed over Stephen Harper policies with some vaccine skepticism added in. Like it's the same shit. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. If, if any, it is. If anything, a kind of throwback to like pre-financial crisis Canadian conservatism, right? Yeah. It seems. It seems like once again, national conservatism sort of much talked about as the next thing to emerge from the sort of the, the 2008 crisis has failed to manifest itself. And I think like that, that happens a lot in sort of the discussions around the American parties too, right? That we think that the, the pundits project onto it, what they think they want out of it. Yeah. And it's not without, you know, it's not for lack of trying because, <laughs> you know, cause we saw um, some of them are more gerbil brain, like, uh, you know, centrist pundits in, in Canada, as we covered on the show before, we're just absolutely dazzled by uh, the conservative mm-hmm. parties, what they thought was a socialist platform. Like they thought they thought uh, they thought the conservatives were doing Heronvolk socialism by hiring an Uber lobbyist to craft their labor platform. You know, <laughs> it's fascinating to me because I read over the Che Craig, uh, like kind of, you know, answers that you sent me uh, on the Moose Jaw Today mm-hmm. website. Uh, which great, great website, very Canadian. Oh, yeah. But uh, it, it, it fascinated me because, you know, you would see these talking points and then it would get to taxes and they were like, oh, yeah, we want to reduce taxes yeah. on cor- our corporations and reduce taxes on uh, people who have like big estates and like existing assets or whatever, it, which, which really blew my mind because it wasn't even it didn't even try to mention the every every person. And it was like, and then those people will make more jobs mm. and uh, they will be uh, like investing in better, new, more productive technology. So their productivity will rise. Mm. And, uh, and that blew my mind because the rest is so, I don't know, almost like protectionist. Yep. And you'd almost expect them to have like a, a semi-coherent take on unions or something. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like QAnon in that sense where like there, the actual articulation of like why they're coalescing is not, a part of really the real world or it's it's based on generally like you know anti-vaccine mandates um and anti-mask stuff and then the actual politics is just like basically the same yep. as like the sort of broader conservative movement it's not really what they think about because mm-hmm. they're just totally unable to think about actual politics the way maxime bernier puts it certainly in like the peterson interview is that both the vaccine issue uh, but also the woke culture stuff were a yeah. boon. Like he explains how he didn't understand these crucial elements, and that's why now he's appealing to more people is because he gets it now about the culture war and woke people, <laughs> yeah. and and specifically he brings up gender uh, identity, uh, which is, you know, it's almost like yeah, the the he doesn't believe in any of that shit. I mean, he doesn't give a fuck really, but he 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 saw that both of those are really good entry points for the average normie just dealing with like bullshit media and just getting angry and yeah. you know kind of nursing these grudges 
Well, we talk about like the, the these movements as creatures of the media, right? And that's true when they're talking about them and when they're not talking about them. Because when they're talking about them, it tends to be, and we'll actually read from this Ibbotson article as we get on, it tends to be, this is serious, this is where politics is now. You arrogant liberals who don't understand, you should make more of an effort to move yourself, make an accommodation to understand this rising national conservatism. Um, and then when they're not talking about them directly, they're often saying they're, they tend to be sort of prodding their readers to get worried about this stuff, get worried about woke culture, get, get worried about sort of government overreach or whatever. These, the basic sort of things that are required to have like a functioning society tend to be like sort of, um, uh, shown to be, you know, boogeymen. Yeah. Right. Haunted and then the, then the conservative, the conservative or liberal or whatever columnist then just says, oh, I'm worried about this stuff. We have to organize again, but never says what to do about it. And so loads all of these an- people up with anxieties and then says, okay, now there's the People's Party of Canada. You have to take them seriously. And like the, the right-wing consent manufacturing machine in uh, Canada is just sort of creating this kind of enervated, weird need to dissent from everything, but not, not for any particular reason. And that's why I think, you know, Dan, we've called this before... And I get you guys on sort of on Q on QAnon Anonymous as well, sort of think about this as like almost anti politics. Yeah. Right? Where it's almost like it's all it's it's not political, it's just sort of a party for people who are worried about the news, it seems. Mm. Or what what they're consuming, what they're yeah, like like you said uh, like you said, Julian, like what is coming up on their feed and, and the yeah. people in control of the of the party, as much as you can call it that, are are really adept at figuring out what those trigger points are. There's a, a line in, in that uh, media piece uh, you sent me that just goes, not my cup of tea, and then some, after just describing all the awful <laughs> stuff that they stand for. And then he goes, but similar policies have been implemented at one time or another in the United States and some European countries. Like, what time or other are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, are you what? talking about the 1930s? Do you have a specific point in history? Yeah. <laughs> In other countries, populist right-wing parties are prominently represented in legislatures. Sure, that's how I would qualify their presence in South America, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just prominently represented. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs> we just cannot stop prominently representing uh, Augusto Pinochet, who was uh, d- democratically brought in. He has an aura. He has a glow. Yeah. And we don't know why he looks so healthy and good and well Yeah, the liberal <laughs> case for a stadium massacre of communists. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my favorite though is like if you look at the idea of bringing inflation to zero percent, mm-hmm. like what does that? E- you're supposed to be an economist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, literally that impossible. You can't do that. Yeah, what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop all the economic activity so we can make sure we don't have any inflation. Um, you keep saying, yeah, they're gonna print more money, print more money, but I mean, it, if capitalism can't keep expanding in the way that in, that inflation, you know, that kind of requires inflation. I, where would it even go? I mean, at this point, we are already living on the credit line extended at the end of the credit line. It's like it's like economics before Keynes, even <laughs> like like that development in like what the forties. That's too much for them. They're, tra- they're traditional trad economics, trad econ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to go back to the gold standard. Um, well, it's like in fact one of the things that I sort of did when I was. When we were talking about like the different party platforms, right? We looked at the sort of the liberals, the conservatives, the, and the NDP. Uh, is our kind of like our litmus test was always if they're serious, is are they going to attack the housing problem at the root? Which basically means 
are they going to deal with the fact that the only way that we're continuing to get people housed is to increase the amount of um, uh, government-backed mortgage insurance that you can get? Because that's why the house prices keep going up, because all these mortgages are insured. And so, you know, uh, NDP's plan was to, you know, again, like, try to get people to be able to use lower deposits to get more debt to take on houses. The liberals' plan was not even so much as that. The conservative plan was not dissimilar to the NDP's one. So basically, none of them particularly serious about solving the housing problem. Uh, so just, just out of curiosity, the People's Party platform, and again, like this, the election is now done. They won no seats. But we can sort of, just in case anyone ever tries to tell you that these people should, have, should be taken more seriously because they're articulating this new form of, of conservatism that sort of was created after the distrust in the elites in 2008 or whatever, the Tucker Carlson thing, is their, their move to fix the housing crisis to modify Canada Bank of Canada's inflation target from 2% to 0%. <laughs> so which is I mean then then you have to also look at like speculative assets like how how does it work then that stocks can kind of go up and down based on sentiment mm-hmm. if 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 you have this I guess almost like m- go back to mercantilism <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah, we're going to colonize a bit of, of Panama yeah. it worked very well for Scotland we're going to organize uh, Canada next- like uh, the nation state of Venice basically <laughs> <He's>, he <laughs> seems opposed to like more than just the laws of whatever the fuck you want to say the laws of economics you know quote unquote the laws of physics are being challenged by his vision for the future so, uh, he says modify the inflation target from 2 to 0% Stop funding social housing. Uh, privatize the CMHC. So basically, the, basically, make it more like Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac. So we want to cause an American-style 2007 housing crisis uh, as opposed to continue with this one. I mean, look, it will reduce house prices. This is like... No, no, I got this. This is like Comrade G's controlled demolition. <laughs> that's, that's what we got going on here they have they have a brilliant plan to recreate 2007 usa and then uh force people into a more equitable form of like uh distributing housing yeah, it's, it's, we're heightening the contradictions yeah we're yeah. cranking the contradiction knob all the way over <laughs> so if you want like in our comparison issue their 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 solution was to make the problem worse so and there's probably going to be another election in the next two years. And someone's probably going to tell you that this is like serious populism that workers like. And, you know, and someone in a column is going to say uh, that you're being an, an urban snob if you uh, turn your nose up at it. Please feel free to turn your nose up at it. It's ludicrous. <laughs> um, so just a, a little bit on, uh, on sort of the numbers here before we get into like thinking about what movements like this mean and what they represent, where they actually come from, um, is that they, they became fourth place nationally, getting over 800,000 votes. So they beat the Green Party and uh, mm-hmm. also the Bloc Québécois in terms of total votes. Uh, the Greens do have seats. The PPC don't. Um, and also, there's this story that's being kind of sold, to the, sold again through op-ed pages, which is that the PPC largely threatened the Conservatives. Because the story here again is, well, Aaron O'Toole became a socialist. And so people on the sort of real right wingers have decided to vote for the PPC. But in your guys' experience, this is rarely that simple, right? I think it's so different when there are parties and coalitions uh, beyond the main two. Because, 
you know, the, there was like the Patriot Party, the America First Party that would probably have been born in these moments of tension, but they just weren't because everyone knows, including, you know, Bernie Sanders on the left, that you cannot get anything done unless you literally become and embody one of the two parties. Mm-hmm. So that that's a really big, I think, a big difference um, in this case. Yeah. Well, I think that mm-hmm. I think I can sort of the reason I think it's important, right, that there is this narrative kind of forming around our eyes. Uh, again, an incorrect one because they they took a lot. They hoovered up a lot of non-voters, a lot of green voters, which again, Canada's uh, media commentary it seems surprised by. Yes, um, they were yeah. baffled by the fact that uh, hippies would have anything to do with uh, mm-hmm. uh, anti-vax politics. That people who owned yoga studios would somehow uh, align themselves with uh, other people who were breathing into their balls, or you know, talking about immigration restrictions. But it's funny is that Aaron O'Toole was saying the same thing about Maxime Bernier as he was saying about her, which was if you vote for this other person, you are basically electing Trudeau. Yeah. And Bernier's argument is that you are exactly like Trudeau, so it wouldn't matter who wins. And, you know, Aaron O'Toole is about the vote splitting. So they all have like all these candidates I found on their social media, like these vote splitting explainer videos that are like <laughs> a minute long. And of course, you know, where yeah, the gist of it. So what? What I've noticed, right, is in in the UK, what happened was uh, the, there was a UKIP basically became the, the Tory party by threatening them from their right without ever having actually won a seat. Right. They never won a single uh, single constituency, but, you know, they nevertheless sort of took over the Tories from outside. And I kind of think that's the story of the PPC going from one point six percent of the vote uh, to um you know, well over, uh, 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 well over five percent of the vote um, is that like this is kind of I think what we're getting sold, right? Is that the conservatives, if the conservatives want to uh, capture the uh, vote share, that sort of going to the PBC, they don't want to split seats, they don't want to lose seats to them, then they're going to have to become much more right wing. That seems to be. The narr- that seems to be that narrative, and again, it's 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 not so simple. But you know, for a uh, media culture that uh, doesn't understand, makes a sort of uh, job out of not understanding these things, uh, it's it seems to be being presented as that simple, right? Hmm. Um, so yeah, something I notice that's like one of the main similarities between like a lot of the QAnon stuff and the PPC's rise is vaccine mandate stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how essential a position that yeah. is. Where, like in the U- in the UKIP conversation, that's not there at all. Yeah. Well, I w- like I, I would wonder. I'd wonder, like the vote split, like the people who went to UKIP, was it very mainly the Tory party? Yeah, it was. Like, I mean, it, it was primarily like you. Like I can see this. The story being set up is that it's a UKIP story, right? I think it's. I think it's probably not because precisely what you say. Is that the Tory, the Conservative Party, was already internally split about membership in the European Union, and UKIP basically came along and started sucking one half of of that split away, right? And they weren't going to win any any um, any ridings because it wasn't that popular of a position, but it was enough that they could threaten to split the vote and you know hand hand constituencies to uh, to Labour, and they had this very central thing that they wanted to do. Whereas I, I don't see really that there is such a split in the Canadian Conservative Party. It seems mm-hmm. pretty pretty unified on what it wants, which is, oddly enough, more or less the exact same thing the PPC wants, 
which is to do the economics of Stephen Harper in you know 2009. Yeah, yeah. Right. It seems quite. It, it seems as though they're trying to make two parties where there really aren't two parties, and this is they're just conservatives who are mad at the news, <laughs> and, I, and and hippies also. I was I was gonna say, Liv, like you know, you mentioned the you mentioned the vaccine vaccine passport thing as a catalyst, and and. This is what really interests me about the the center left coverage of the PPC, because the people writing about this sort of rise and uptick in PPC membership and the fact that they're going to PPC rallies and seeing like a, a woman with a crystal on her forehead and they're interviewing these people and they're saying things that they don't understand, you know, like talking about star seed and like stuff that is Q. It's very much Q adjacent. Because they mm. because they don't understand or weren't paying attention to the pastel Q movement, they can't understand how this anti-vax position is is kind of and and that the sort of infrastructure of information that QAnon has built was instrumental mm. in funneling people towards the PPC. So when they write pieces on it, uh, you know they have no idea what's happening. They're just very confused. <laughs> so, Mm-hmm. But but it is it is really interesting how that specific thing, the vaccines have brought in people who I guess like they almost have the same arc as maybe very not even not nah, that's a bad comparison. I was going to say Alex Jones, but there was a sense of like a new world order in a new corporate like surveillance police state, which is yes. real. The, that feeling is real. And so those people have that feeling uh, ranging from, you know, left to right, like probably a bric-a-brac of of stuff kind of cobbled together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that is allowing them to show up to these events. And somehow there's no a kind of cognitive connection for them that like they're suddenly standing around people who are dressed in camo and talking about, right. you know, the identity of the nation, the white identity. That's new for them in many ways. But they're like, well, these are the only people who fucking speaking up for the fact that like they want to tag me with this shit and like surveil me and, you know, and all these kind of mm-hmm. oppressions that if you talk about the actual system, they are, it is oppressive in some of these mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this reminds me actually uh, on our last free episode with uh, Garth and Sam from the Crackdown, we were talking a little bit about these guys as well. And so Garth pointed out like, yeah, the, the, th- the thing is like, they're willing to name a lot of problems that a lot of the others won't. It's just what they want to do about them is completely ludicrous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But for, for I think that is what brings them together is like we're being censored and uh, on social media. And so we're being silenced. Mm-hmm. And so totalitarianism. And uh, a lot of these people, if you talk about fascism or communism, they just they think it's like you know, the same thing. Right. And we've, yes. you know, on Bottleman, like we have covered the sort of genesis of that thinking is rooted very much in this country. Like we invented a uh, black ribbon day, you know, the fake, <laughs> fake, fake ass holiday. Yeah. To sell cards, to, <laughs> to sell cards, <laughs> equating communism and fascism. So there is a yeah. through line for all of this. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing is right. Is that let's, we can think about like, some of the individual uh, PPC weirdos, right? Um, like they they love to go outside and protest. They love to protest hospitals. Uh, they also liked, and that's not going to stop either. No, right? This election, this election is sort of again. Thank you, Trudeau, for calling it. It was so worthwhile. All of the problems that are sort of coming out of it and aren't going to go away. Six hundred and ten right? million dollars, baby. 
Yeah, $610 million. And now like an ongoing and highly politicized and unified anti-vax movement that has a party. Great. Perfect. Um, but that's, that's not really going anywhere. But they do the thing. So, Sorry, but, go ahead. But, but yeah, actually, I want, I want this explained a little bit yeah. to me because, you know, Bernier even brings up, I think obliquely, he brings up Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, pointing out that, that people kind of have won positions. But they were talking about how it was like, the way the snap elections work and the politics uh, in Canada work, there's a reason why they don't actually have more representation than they do. Mm-hmm. How does that work? The kind of like, what, yeah, how could they have 10% of the vote, for example, and no representation? Oh, they didn't win a single uh, constituency seat. Yeah, they just, so yeah they, there's no proportional. Yeah, exactly. There's no proportional representation where like a certain amount of the seats would just go to like a certain vote share. Yeah. So if you get more than like 5%, you'd get a certain amount of seats. Mm. So uh, like he seems Black intent Quebecois, on, on, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, like the Black Québécois are only in Quebec, so they're concentrated enough that they can get way more seats, right? <clears throat> compared to their share, compared to like the NDP or even the People's Party. Mm-hmm. So, so it's counting on the density because it's not as like it's not as like um, gerrymandered or whatever. He's just counting on the density of these bad ideas mm-hmm. in people's minds to become like yeah dense enough in a specific geography is that what you mean yeah it would have to yeah yeah. so you need to like like, 10 percent everywhere of people's party people so it doesn't matter yeah i wonder what the uh, man i wonder what the um closest ppc candidate race was and where and where it was i was looking at this the first the closest one was bernier seat in buse where he got like half of the the conservative party he got like crush right. and then the second one was uh, a rural some rural Albertan place totally makes sense. in which it was also second and but it was like conservative party 60 percent people's party 10 uh-huh. or yeah. 5, 20 right, right. so they were they were not close to getting a seat no and again like if you want to wonder like th- they weren't close but how come for the entire election cycle did we sort of ke- keep seeing them talked about as though they were serious um like yeah it's like, yeah, they didn't win a seat. Uh, no thanks to, you know, getting consistently, like, I'd say like, it, was, it was good that they weren't put in the debates. That seemed to be a very good choice. I don't know. Those uh, debates like, were pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It would have been content. Yeah. It would have been yeah. great for my Twitch stream. I, I would, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I personally, <laughs> I personally would have loved to have seen like a deputy leaders debate where like, the semen retention guy gets to give his theories on what really happened on the moon. Yes. Uh, well, like, I don't know, like, Jagmeet Singh is trying to talk about what he wants to do for housing. That would be great. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's like, once again, in our uh, uh, sort of awful, vapid print media culture, that's where you get stuff like the Ibbotson article. Uh, so I'll read now. Word has it that Chelsea Hillier's campaign, who is a, a, a PPC candidate in Ontario, is gaining traction. If the votes split the right way, the PPC candidate for Elgin Middlesex London could win the Southwestern Ontario riding, and here's hoping that she does. To preserve a healthy democracy, Ms. Hillier, along with party leader Maxime Bernier and a number of other candidates, should be elected to the House of Commons. And the rationale here um, is that uh, basically, you know, that, that lots of people seem to, seem to like them. Uh, and he says, if the House of Commons fairly represented the will of the electorate, there would be about two dozen PPC MPs if that level of support were translated into votes on election day. Uh, but instead, the party will be shut out, which will further alienate right-wing voters that have already lost faith in their political institutions. And 
do you think, you know, again, sort of as people who like track extremist movements all the time, do you see the possibility of like, yeah, the semen retention guy or followers of the Queen of Canada? Do you see them being tamed by proximity to power and institutions? I don't think they will be. But what's interesting is that a lot of these articles, like the kind of more lib ones, uh, the, the, the way that they pat themselves on the back is by being like, they don't have any electoral power. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and to me, that that just that actually doesn't really matter because if you know whatever ten percent of the people who are going to head out to vote are willing to go for this, that is the that is a nascent movement, and it's just a technicality that they didn't access power through whatever electoral system is installed right now. Right in the states, for example, they probably would have for a variety right. of reasons. Right. So I don't know. It's almost like one of those uh, well, gotcha, and it's like well. That won't really matter once these people properly organize themselves and they find someone to rally around that isn't an incoherent mess, yeah. right? Like maybe now you're seeing the KW Millers or like these kind of disaster <laughs> candidates that you can make fun of. I don't know. I, I I think there is like, I understand why the foreboding exists, but I think that there's a critique to be made of both the electoral system mm-hmm. um, a, a, as it currently stands and also, of course, these people and their insane, incoherent yeah. ideas. Well, I mean, here's the thing. They are organized enough to block access to hospitals, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like they're organized That's, enough yeah. to do mass demonstrations. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, so it is almost like relying on like fully believing electoralism is going to be a solution, which is a very neoliberal concept. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't worry, they'll never get like the voting office. And it's like, meanwhile, they've secured the, the you know the building next door with firearms exactly yeah i mean <laughs> yeah there was literally like a lone wolf assassination attempt against trudeau he was like a wexit guy so i don't think he was people's party yeah, yeah. but similar yeah. sort of the flock you know like well it's one of one of the people's party candidates uh uh sort of hit him with gravel and uh while he was um you know out walking somewhere yeah, yeah. and again aaron o'toole had to was not aaron O'Toole, excuse me maxine bernier was sort of you know dragged on stage to be like uh, yes, I guess I renounce violence, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose. Right? Yeah, ah, uh, well, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, so we, we go on. Uh, Ibbotson goes on. There could be plenty of reasons why so many are drawn to the People's Party. They have become resentful and untrusting over the loss of manufacturing jobs. They're stressed by the pandemic. Some of them resent the increasing number of non-European immigrants. Uh, this is racist, but it's also how they feel. <laughs> that was uh, that was changed. So the, like, the original, I mean, we've gone over this on the show, but yeah. the original uh, draft of that, uh, the the sentence that follows uh, non-European immigrants, the sentence that says this is racist, uh, wasn't in the original draft. Mm-hmm. It had to be at, it Whoa. had to be added afterwards. <laughs> also, after cent- center left columnist Justin Lang called the author of this column a national treasure. So, <laughs> um, right, but awesome. it, what's what's worth talking about here is that this is a total fantasy. This is a columnist fantasy of what of what the party actually is, right? If if yeah. what they they're actually doing is like some protectionism, but ultimately we're going to make people much more economically insecure. Uh, but again, all of these people who are, and many of the people who actually run for, um, P- ran as PPC candidates, some of the people I sent to you guys, uh, a lot of them are just small business owners. This is a small business yeah. ideology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are, it's very Trumpian in that way, is that it's like the yacht, the small yacht owners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like the, 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 it's, They're beautiful boaters, a lot of them. 
Um, unless, yeah, like, I mean, some of them are like cum kayakers, but that's different. <laughs> people in like rural areas who are like the biggest person in their town. Yeah. So they hate like generally big cities and like big government, but they like being small business tyrants and they want the world and the country to be ran like that. I'm thinking of the guy in my uh, hometown of Couch and Lake who owned a, like the single boat dealership, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, What's interesting is that is it like that guy, his fucking actual like economic stability and his ability to be a small business owner is under attack because of a variety of things. COVID-19, the way that those payments went recent, like, you know, payouts to corporations that are way above the pay grade of like some fucking like you, you mentioned. And so the financial insecurity and the squeeze is, real, is real. And that's why you're seeing them like go and become politicians instead of continue their shit business. Yeah, Cause they want to mm-hmm. continue hating the big city and also taking their family on a yearly vacation to like Hawaii or whatever, or Vegas, yeah. you know, this, this is also the same interest group of McCarthyism, which mm-hmm. I find interesting. Okay. So well, is great it- precedent if they in- increase in power. <laughs> well, because McCar- I think that's, I, I, I think that the comparison to McCarthyism is a pretty good one because so much about so much of I think what a lot of the sort of rank if the rank and file of the sort of the QAnon movement and the PPC and stuff a lot of it is these like small business owners the the owner of like one of the big businesses in the small town basically is that that kind of paranoia is the same is also the same thing that drove McCarthyism you know this yeah is, I mean if you even in the article uh, um, it says newcomers. Before before this, it says the PPC platform is straightforward. It would cut back on immigration by as much as 75% and limit multiculturalism as a policy. Mm-hmm. Then it says newcomers would be interviewed to ensure they embrace, quote, Canadian values and societal norms, which are, quote, those of a contemporary Western civilization. Mm-hmm. So you can use quotes all you fucking want, but that is, yeah, that, this guy is saying, yeah, this this makes sense, this concept of a contemporary Western civilization and Canadian values and societal norms are like an objective thing we can all agree on that someone can have or not have, which is very McCarthyist. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting to know that uh, one of the PPC candidates we covered previously on the show uh, from my hometown writing wrote a piece about how internment camps are good because they melted people into uh, a Canadian polity, Canadian identity, mm. you know, which is just the same shit, mm-hmm. just said louder just dialed up a little Mm -hmm. yeah and i think like because this is like the the economic conditions that produce paranoid small business owners aren't really going anywhere and the media conditions that are about mostly scaring and agitating small business owners so they become sort of they start fearing their own shadow that's not really going anywhere and it seems like you know the other parties are it seems like that that Canada has to come to terms with the fact that like there that this movement is here and it's growing, and we don't know how to cover and uh, Canadian media doesn't know how to cover it except in a way that makes it more mainstream because mm-hmm. they're just trying to bring because what and you can see this in like the Ibbotson article right he by trying to bring the PPC this weird fringe movement of you know paranoid small business owners and anti-vaxxers and hippies and all this there's very disparate groups of people who are all just scared of the news by trying to bring that into the frame he understands he's inadvertently or advertently also saying that these people are can and should be taken seriously and that they should be they should be kind of a part of things right i mean yeah 
how uh, but can we cover them well like i mean I, I understand that there's obviously like you can recommend something to a journalist but you're basically damned if you do damned if you don't because like you said their brain is rotted from watching media and wanting it to change to tell the stories they like better yeah and then you're telling them well actually we're going to cover you and those are the same stories that they're analyzing so i mean it it, it feels like there's something about uh, media and the way it interacts with the political system and the financial system that is like utterly broken. And so yeah. this is just going to continue to fester and crack open. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like was, was there a motivation in like for Canadian media to cover the people's party in terms of like clicks? Because it feels like if there is, it's, it's less of an extent than like a try. Yeah. I don't think so right? because I, I don't know. They weren't sensationalizing it. And, you know, in getting ready for this, uh, you know, this episode, I was I was thinking a lot about how basically the Canadian center right has sort of bolstered movements to the right of itself to kind of cool the left, you know, like we, we, Riley and I have talked about this on the show. It's basically scaring people towards the, the, the center, which is really the right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and the idea. Also. It, that's interesting and that Bernier actually shares, which is like, oh, the right is 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 going towards the center, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, the mirror opposite of really the people who are thinking of themselves as supposed like leftists or liberals hovering towards the center and potentially they're getting used to. I mean, is there a better way to make those people go for Aaron O'Toole than a Maxime Bernier? Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling it, it's like... <laughs> This is helping them because it shows, oh, well, it's it's like Le Pen. You know, you go, well, I voted for Sarkozy because I would never vote for Le right. Pen. And then now you have this fucking piece of shit. Uh, um, uh, what's his damn name? Uh, he, anyways, he's been platformed and he just debated uh, the Bernie Sanders over there or whatever mm-hmm. you want to consider. Uh, uh, not, not, not probably not the perfect analogy, but, that, you know, he, he, is, he is now a breakaway to the right basically enabling, and I hate this word, but the Overton window to stretch that far so that you still feel like you're in the center, even though now you're voting conservative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think so we, if we, if that's sort of the, the function of sort of covering them almost any way in our, it seems to be to create that as an outcome, right? Like it's, it's because it, you can't, it's difficult to not talk about them because they are there. They're, they're doing the thing that they're doing. They are running as a, as a party. Right. But it's difficult to the people who are talking about them are having a very hard time talking about them in a way that doesn't just make them seem like, well, here's the Overton window. They're on the right of it. So if you vote conservative, you're kind of a centrist. Right. It doesn't Mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be a way that like the Globe and Mail is able to get around that. I I think the way to get around it like this has been so frustrating for me with the election. The way to get around it is to talk about the individual candidate candidates. their personal histories and what they what their platforms are. That's all you need. Mm. Like Nikola Das, for instance. Like everybody loves. It's funny. Everybody loves talking about the balls guy, you know. <laughs> but someone needed to do an article that included balls breathing guy, uh, internment camps are good guy, uh, weird Alberta Christian psycho guy, and hippie yeah. pastel Q pipeline to uh, ethno state nationalist person. And present that to people like my uncle or whatever, you know, and say, this is what this party is. Like, I, do, mm, I don't yeah. understand how hard that is. It's, and it would be great for clicks because it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's like it's entertaining on one level. <laughs> Very scary on another. But there, yeah. 
Yeah, there's also like a bunch of actual white supremacist connections and like proud proud boy and violence connections, which is really never brought up when you yeah. you know the guy write this fucking idiot writing the contemporary Western civilization article. Yeah. It's like or saying populist right wing party. You're really just putting makeup. Uh, yeah, you're, you're putting, putting lipstick, lipstick on, on the a pig. pig. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I, yeah. one of the one of the articles uh, here as well um, uh, in the National Post says that oh that what the supporters want is an NDP but for the right. Come on, so, uh, oh, like so uh, they're going to do I'm, cool TikTok yeah. memes, like yeah, <laughs> they're going to yeah. do the shoot dance. Do the shoot. <laughs> we need Bernier to do the shoot. Yeah, dance. come on, let's yeah. go. Come hang out with Nick Fuentes and Maxime Bernier in Fortnite. <laughs> Just cool. We're going to be box fighting. It's going to be Bernier um, in the shower holding up uh, my feeling when I did not vote PPC, you know, and the and the Dido song is going to play. And then uh, and then a liberal pundit is going to misinterpret it and say that they're doing violence. <laughs> so it, 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 that's not that is truly another thing that we are we are ignoring. Right. Like this is. It's portrayed as uh, a bunch of, you know, weirdos and freaks. Uh, it seems to be portrayed in the sensible liberal media as, you know, the forgotten working man who wants an NDP of the right. But what sort of also gets talked about not at all is, yeah, the as you say, Julian, the connections to Proud Boys, uh, the connections to people like Nick Fuentes, uh, the the fact that, and again, it seems like... it. Is it just that it's impolite to discuss this? Like, why is it so difficult for the mainstream media to highlight these these actual things that are going on? It's because it is also important to consider how incredibly incompetent they are and bad at their jobs. Yes, yes, live. <laughs> yes, it's a just very stupid. It's a mix of like, uh, like what we talk about Riley a lot in like terminal incuriousness, like dangerous incuriousness. For a person who has the job of journalists and uh, and then laziness. And then also, I think you can't discount like the thing that you've got with the CBC, where a lot of these people are, you know, they're afraid of uh, they have an imagined PPC supporter in their mind who might like downvote the fucking post or like, you know, like might write an angry letter to the Edmonton Journal or whatever. Mm. Yeah, and your editor is probably going to greenlight something where you don't have to have a discussion about how you're exposing someone as a white supremacist, but you're just talking about, you know, vague terms, right? Like Western civilization and stuff like that. That's going to pass way more. You're like, you're not, I'm not making any waves. Like, I mean, you know, this is a fucking monthly salary. Like, I just have to keep writing until I die, I guess. So, you know. Uh, do I really want to make waves this week? And I think a lot of people just fucking don't or their editors don't want them to because they don't want to, like you said, either become targets or be considered some sort of side taker in the culture war. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And yeah, I, th th I guess one of the things we can say, thank goodness, this time is that um, uh, the uh, Queen of Canada, Canada's real queen, uh, instructed uh, PPC voters, or at least a big a bunch of them, to stay home because uh, the election was uh, already rigged. So don't bother. Thank you, Queen. Yeah, thank you, Queen yes, of Canada. Queen. So, so shall we talk a little <laughs> bit about the Queen of Canada? I love it. Yeah. 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 Is, this, is this about her like running all the drug smuggling in the world? <laughs> uh, no, this is actually. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's talk a, about Lady LaRouche. Let's let's go. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is actually a, a different queen of Canada. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, a woman on on Telegram uh, who says that uh, she is uh, the rightful qu- uh, queen of Canada, um, and that actually, and that uh, uh, she's called uh, Romana uh, Didulo. She's got a Telegram mm-hmm. channel, uh, and she's ba- lives in BC. And basically, she says, uh, "I am now the queen of Canada." And a lot of QAnon believers are believing this. And that includes. She a lot. also said that she executed the actual queen of the United Kingdom. Oh, did she? Well, yeah, did she, that's she, true. She's like, that's done. That's did down. Did she claim that? And now <laughs> she claimed that. Yes, because I, I know that she yes. claimed that that they've been doing like rolling executions, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, they're executing. She she will sometimes say that she's killing thousands of people. She claimed to have killed thousands of Australians at one point. <laughs> just just bizarre. But she has claimed immediately that oh, I I already killed the queen of of England. So mm-hmm. get that out of your head. And then she, yeah, she has people going into like the fucking post office or the, 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 the police station and just like, or, or even fast food or supermarkets, not wearing a mask, trying to hand over some literature that she wrote. And uh, they, they just get yelled at back. And, uh, but yeah, they, they think that they're doing a, a kind of soft revolution in yeah. China or in, in China. In you Canada. guys had an, uh, <laughs> uh, you guys had an excellent clip of uh, one of those sort of sit. I, I don't want to call it a citizen's arrest, but it was, essentially a private citizen walking into a police station uh giving a cease and desist order i believe mm-hmm. i've got it in front of me uh, yeah uh so it's the uh basically right this is because a lot of like the a, a lot of these sort of these people they seem to because i think again i think this is because they just like sort of watch the news like they don't understand how sort of a lot of events happen which is why i think you know in the in January sixth, they just sort of uh, waited around in the White House. Like they 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 very annoyingly went somewhere and then hoped like a video game cutscene would start, and and it did. Yeah. It, did. <laughs> it did start. The main character started moving in a pattern, and you're like, it's a revolution. <laughs> That's it. They saw the fucking hologram Trump, and they were like, this is it, man. Our side. Let's go for the horde. <laughs> and I think you can. I think there's a little bit of the. Um, a little bit of the same thing with the uh, with uh, the sort of uh, the Queen of Canada people grabbing the um, like just dutifully printing off a, a notice yeah. uh, saying, I am mm-hmm. witness to the law serving you a lawful document, cease and desist order to stop immediately all unlawful COVID measures. Okay. We're now living in a sovereign Republic of Canada and are no longer Canada Incorporated Corporation. Your business is operating in the Sovereign Republic of Canada. Our newly appointed head of state, commander-in-chief, head of government of Canada, Ramana Didulo, by lawful order, requires we resume our lives back to normal and open our businesses to full capacity. It's a little bit, seems to me, a little bit like a fetch quest, right? It's like, yes. you, it's like you, you have to, it's our escort mission. Like, you have to get this piece of paper to, like, I don't know, the, the snotty teen that runs like mm-hmm. the local coffee shop in your town who doesn't respect you enough as a business owner. And this is now, now you're calling the queen on him. And he's going to do, you can, you could do that or you could do the investigation mode of the game, which <laughs> I, in, in Scotland involves a guy walking into a police station and trying to prove that the police chief there had been executed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can't see him, right? Like, could you have him come out? It's like, no, this is like the head of the entire, you know, this entire division or whatever. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm, he's like literally like um, uh, doing L.A. Noir on them. It's like lie. It's like he's lying. Yeah, is he yeah, lying yeah. or not? <laughs> and you're trying to figure out if, if your police chief was executed. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're, you're not even in like, you 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 want to prove that this is already happening. It's not even a question of like making it happen. It's very QAnon in that way. Yeah, yeah. And you're a passive receiver. You're watching the show. Yeah, and it seems right like that 
the so it's, and this isn't sort of directly connected to the, like it's not like the the PPC and uh, the Queen of Canada are some kind of one organization, but they're really a part of this media network. And I think the way to understand the PPC is the most respectable possible outgrowth of that sort of family of movements and uh, and family of sort of media consumption, right? They're just Facebook all stars. They're like the top ten on Facebook in their category. Like that's yeah. it. It's oh, I I. I just wanted to ask you guys just briefly, like, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Do you have it having studied QAnon and the way that uh, it is spread and mutated? Like, do you see a kind of post January 6th, like, QIization of the world and the way <laughs> and the way pe- people consume media? Because that's how I interpret uh, things like Queen of Canada and, and, and the PPC party. Like those information networks are are now like built. It is it is a belt yeah. and road of the mind, basically. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like no longer about Trump explicitly because he's no longer in office. So like that that was main the main thing when Trump was in office. Like when people weren't in America, it was like, why do you believe in QAnon? He's not even your guy. But he's not even their guy either. So the, the the bonds that are holding all of the Q and Q adjacent stuff together is it's mainly like anti lockdown stuff now, mm-hmm. but but the broader sort of fascistic sort of inclination is just and the the infrastructure that was built out of QAnon can now continue to function even without the sort of explicit guy who is in charge and supposed to do all the things is mm-hmm. there. They've also shifted to a regional model, which is, you know, uh, kind of coherent with what we're discussing in Canada, where the idea, the main idea now, like the main theory uh, is called devolution, where they've kind of moved on from like, it's a hologram or he's on a set or, you know, Trump actually is about to be reinstored. And it's the idea that actually power was sent out to these regional hubs secretly. Mm. And at a later time, this guy will be able to come back to like with that. And that's based on stuff that happened in the UK. They did that with with Ireland and and uh, um, and a variety of other so, uh, kind of. So it's, wait, wait, it's, it's you, fascinating. You, you think that the, the, the thinking here is that based on like, Westminster giving more powers to determine like education funding to Holyrood that like you don't have to like get, you know you you can protest a hospital in Oregon basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's just the idea that maybe the actual like structure is matching how your mind feels about it right. which is the destruction of the of the idealism that we had uh, uh like imbued these leaders with you know so you stop believing in anything it's like the the black pill where you're like it's not even about trump or biden actually it's about like my local school board uh who's the closest guy who can ensure we all have guns it's a regional uh like it's a it's a breakdown of of how they think the structure works because their mind is breaking down from from the disappointment. It's, uh, as above, so below. It's kind of like it's yeah. It's like Riley, you were saying at the beginning, like anti politics. I think that is what PPC sort of represents. It mirrors that mindset, and you can tell when you know Bernier is pressed on things like healthcare, he has no answers because yeah. that's not what their constituency is interested in they're interested they're interested in uh you know like you said school board members who may (laughs) maybe be up to some nefarious shit yeah or like school school board members who are uh secretly puppets of the chinese doing critical race theory and you know or whatever (laughs) exactly and it gets it gets also right like 
the role of 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 Bernier in this in this uh, uh, sort of movement was just to like be the most respectable guy, the guy who has been in politics before. But really, what he's doing is he's just reacting to what he knows his followers want, because these information networks are not being directed by him. He's just the opportunist who's riding them to power. And he won't be the last. And the information networks aren't going anywhere. And so this problem is only like, I think this probably the problem of the PPC is going only to get worse. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because it's kind of the rotting of electoralism. It's literally just part of electoralism going blue and (laughs) the sugars get to like spike and it starts to smell bad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Rigor mortis is setting in like. (laughs) (laughs) So what it's, 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 it's why I think it's so hard to cover properly because it's a symptom it is, as you say, it's a necrosis. Well, we're doing it. it These guys do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a it is it's, it's this because, as you say, like it is changing your if if politics really can be understood at a broad level as the act of in in some group making some kind of decision about how the world is going to be and then making that happen. Right, we've made a decision that we're all going to have healthcare, so we have the NHS in Britain. We've made a decision um, that we—I went to the, go see a play in Edmonton, uh, and I've made a decision that the, the Azov Battalion should have small arms. These decisions have been taken through these predictable ways, right? When we talk about this as anti-politics, we talk about it as I'm going to live in a fantasy world where all of the things I want have already happened, and I'm going to sort of act as though they kind of have and i'm gonna hope that that just makes it so almost as if by magic i wonder if they were there it's already like that retreat has already occurred and it's just the natural way we relate to media and politics and then they're just they're just correctly assessing that the 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 new currency is going to be images memes Mm -hmm. articles like everything is pr so yeah, I mm-hmm. almost see them as like cold realists mm-hmm. in uh, the spectacle. <laughs> yeah. They're the materialists of the remember- spectacle. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 My favorite was Bernier in 2019 where he had that billboard that was like stop Antifa. <laughs> which yeah. was, was not, for, mm-hmm. I don't think that worked in the 2019 electorate, but I feel like 2021 he's perfect right Mm. he was just a little bit too early yeah yeah ahead of his time and i wonder yeah the next election is going to probably be like there still will probably be some sort of vaccine mandate Mm -hmm. in the next two or so years so i would imagine like the next election at least the people's party have like another of a rallying issue that more people will probably be onto. i think it'll probably get worse those networks Um, of uh Pill, like the the pill pipeline is only going to spread out from big interstates to like small rural routes, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but they have only two stages essentially of part of this electoralist thing, which is one is educate yourself about the issues. Mm-hmm. That's the glorified version of it, which is just go online and read shit, memes, <laughs> whatever, watch videos, and then 
get to the ballot box and cast it or even cast it from home. It doesn't matter. So if we're just telling people those are the two hinges, the two things to focus on, like everyday life is also so compartmentalized. You would never be able to understand any of these things through that. So fuck experience. Fuck your actual physical experience in 3D with people. You're just, you just have to do the two things. Educate yourself, which is, you know, basically do your own research Mm -hmm. and then make the right choice in the fucking box. Mm -hmm. And we're wondering why that is rotting because it's completely disconnected from any kind of physical mobilization or or, mm. or reality yeah. it's mm-hmm. or gone. any like, sense it, of it community at all like yes. electoralism yes. does not give people the same sense of community it might have once like mm. if, if you mm-hmm. compare like an ndp party like weekly in-person meeting to the sense of community you would get being on the queen of canada's telegram channel that's it but if, if you have a local warlord that they actually are detecting the next step. If everything rots, you have to start to rely on on people around you. Except they're so militarized in their minds, they're like, "Well, it's going to be a warlord, and they're going to do executions <laughs> immediately." Instead of like, "We're going to plant a garden and try to do anything yeah, sustainable." Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what? This reminds me of. We talk about history, maybe not repeating itself, but rhyming. This reminds me of late Roman Britain, right? Where uh, in 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 it, as as Rome was. Uh, left Britain, right? It um, what happened is they they pulled their soldiers out of Britain uh, to sort of you know shore up uh, their northern defenses and the money. And by the way, this is all just me remembering stuff I've heard Patrick Wyman say on Tides of History. So go listen to Tides of History. We love Patrick Wyman. Um, but uh, that essentially the uh, the money economy just kind of went with them because that's how currency came into Britain was it was paid to soldiers and then would circulate around like. That's kind of how the money got from um, Rome into like Londinium. Um, and as these and, and just like as the state or such as it was, was retreating from these people, that's exactly what they did. They coalesced into local groups around charismatic warlords. Uh, and that's how we sort of get uh, our sort of early feudal aristocracy is, you know, the Romans leave a power vacuum and then people start tending gardens uh, looking for authority and direction in their very very local communities of you know um like garden market towns maybe that are you know watched over by uh the guy who used to be the biggest and now he's calling himself the duke and he's saying his son's gonna be the duke after him (laughs) i i for one welcome our pilled overlords yeah i mean that's that's what's so interesting is is it is logical like that is logically like if the center cannot hold then we fall apart and so we go back to reality which what we used to consider reality before the virtual world existed which is the people we actually talk to every day Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. like even i mean it's even the telephone didn't really change that you still have to deal with the same fucking physical people every day whereas if you're staying inside all fucking day and consuming media and doing your work on zoom it's the whole thing is world of warcraft it's none of it is real (laughs) (laughs) It's a, a perfectly flat world that you can just kind of project yourself onto. But the, it's, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, right, in between the elections, uh, because there's probably going to be another one soon because we, we're addicted to doing them, I guess. We love to ha- <laughs> spend the, the better part of a bill on like what changing six seats um, is, is that between now, like a lot of them are just going to like you know, disrupt school board, make local democracy difficult, disrupt school board meetings. They basically do like, you know, crazy person entryism uh, <laughs> and then like, you know, bother service workers by like serving them subpoenas that they printed out on their own like HP desk jets. Right. But that's just sort of the annoying part because that go- we have to remember, right? Like 
this is also the political wing of a violent white nationalist movement as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There. Oh, yeah. And a real shift in pop in support like that. That coronavirus has created this idea of like, oh, you want to be in the virtual fake world or you want to come out and show up be physically around other people and suddenly they are feeling community and it's in the moment where they're outside the vaccine office like trying to burn it down <laughs> that's yeah it's, it's a th- big yeah. it's a big task that they have together that they're where they they've done their research which is like playing a little video game and they got so excited by the video game they're trying it at home effectively they're also doing big tent politics so unlike you know like say a mass gathering of you know oh just off the top of my head like uh hardline communists you know marxist leninists like uh maoists whatever you're not going to have those internal you don't see the same internal divisions (laughs) (laughs) much better message i I hate to say it but yeah i don't know if it's message (laughs) discipline or if it's just uh I don't I don't know. I don't know. I get, we don't have an anti-revisionist people's party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but they've also identified that the message doesn't matter. Yeah. It actually yeah. doesn't. Ours, yours, none of it matters. Shut the fuck up. If we get together and like group up and band up, we're going to beat you and we'll win. And it's kind of more correct than the yeah. idea that any of the messaging coming out of the TV heads is going to lead anywhere. What is it? It's uh, they, yeah. They've got the yeah. logic of a risk board that if enough soldiers get together, they'll become a cavalry <laughs> and enough cavalry get together, they become a cannon. This is good because Riley can't conceive of, you know, men getting together on a battlefield without thinking of a risk. Board. <laughs> it's like it's the first level of virtualization. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Axis and allies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's, it's they're, they're they're all just chaos space marines. Um, you need to upgrade the graphics on that risk game, dude. Start playing Red Alert too. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I think we've we've gone on for a little while, Dan. You have to go back to your uh, the long hard work at the music production mines. That's right. Uh, so please don't get quarter note lung. I'm, I'm um, trying not to. I'm digging. I'm digging the content <laughs> as fast as I can. You know. Uh, and you know. Uh, Hey, you know, don't party too hard celebrating the return of our precious Michaels. Well, I learned you know? mm-hmm. I learned my lesson, but I like to feel like, you know, I feel like the the, the Michaels being back uh, is truly giving me the energy to uh, make this delicious content. And, uh, and Julian and Liv also, uh, thank you both for coming on and helping us with the, this little retrospective on um, what the People's Party of Canada actually is and why it's going to be such a hard problem to deal with especially for our extremely sclerotic political media apparatus. Yeah, I would like to thank both of you for spending an hour just off the cuff doing a uh, much better job as the entire combined efforts of that sclerotic media apparatus. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was very good. A pleasure. And so don't yeah. forget also, we have a Patreon, seven bucks a month. You get a second episode every week. This week, uh, we're going to be doing part two of our exploration of the Canadian uh, pe- of the People's Party of Canada. Uh, this time, uh, we're going to have Cameron, Caleb, and Patrick from Pot of Outlist return, and we're going to read some of the choicest bios. Oh, man. All of, your favorites uh, <laughs> are going to be there. We've got Brock Crocker, uh, Creighton Stableman. <laughs> <laughs> just some Germanic <laughs> ass names and we're going to have a lot of fun with them uh, with the pot about list boys so uh, it's a perfect duality yeah. for the people's party that's right <laughs> this and then pot about list again and again so uh, do make sure to uh, tune in for that anyway thanks again uh, Julian and Liv and uh, for listeners we'll see you in a few days see ya. bye see ya bye bye hey.